Life straight, pull up, wait, ice skate, pull up, wait, crime pay, pull up, wait, slap, slap, 20 cars, matte black, surfing at a wrist cars, 10 to 10 toes. back with another episode installment number 18 crazy to think about uh episode 18 i'm your host max rains joined as always with my co-host co-producer great guy close friend of myself close friend to the world i'm here with will egan how we doing what's up mate uh not much glad to be back it's crazy that we're almost at 20 um yeah dude right when when i was when i was looking back at the episode today i was like damn i can't believe we're already at 17 like i listened to 17 the other day and was like damn i can't believe we're already there yeah i mean it seems like i guess when was our first episode like february somewhere in there yeah i think february but we had the inception of idea of the idea probably around like a year ago now right right around a year ago it was a little bit like a couple days over, like 370 days ago, probably, or maybe even less. Yeah, because it was like, I think the third, the second weekend I was in Austin is when you were making your trip out to Cali. Yeah. And that's when we like were discussing the idea. Initially, we were, I feel like we've heard this story before on the pod, but yeah, we kind of just initially wanted to do like a, a blog or like an Instagram page or something. Yeah. Just kind of like checking in with like what we were watching, what we thought was good, but we were just like, fuck it. Let's do a podcast. (laughs) Yeah. I think it's more fun too. Cause like, I'd much rather be like talking to you about movies and have someone to actually converse with, as opposed to just like writing down my own thoughts online. Yeah, no, hundred percent. There are already like so many of those Instagram, uh, yeah like what do you call it uh accounts that it's we like follow it would be, yeah. yeah it would be hard to we would just be like posting the same shit but yeah um yeah only just the beginning um but not much to report on my end from our last episode uh got a quick turnaround this time yeah unusual. um i've been pretty slammed with work but that's a good thing, I guess. Yeah. Uh, the new job's just starting to, like, ramp up, kind of. Um, How long have you officially been with NetSuites? Like, uh, like two months. Two months. Damn, um, I thought. And, like, basically the first month and a half was all training. Mm-hmm. And then, so now I'm, like, actually starting to work some deals and uh, just – try to get out there but with that comes like i was wanting this to happen because i can actually like start to make a commission on deals versus like that time i was training i like was just yeah. like, sitting on my ass not doing anything um yeah i mean now that you're making commission though this is where this is where the fun begins you know yeah yeah for sure and my team's cool and all that and been going in the office a lot more that's been cool um that's good. 
Besides that, uh, I went to a comedy show on Friday, which was no actually way. pretty hilarious. Uh, Damn, dude, I, I'm jealous. I've been to one comedy yeah. show before, and it was it was when I was in Vegas. It was just like something to do for the night because I was there kind of by yeah. myself, passing through town. And I had a blast, but I mean, I the whole time that I went to my show, I was like, damn, I wish I had someone to like hang yeah. out. Yeah, you know? it's like... It's hard to not laugh when you're at those types of things because, like, you you know it's a comedy show, so, like, you're going to yeah. laugh at everything. But um, so we saw, like. we saw uh, Lil Sasquatch, which is, like, one of the Barstool producers. Um, okay. He, for the you listeners, um, if you've heard of Son of a Boy Dad, he's one of the producers on that podcast. Um, he's kind of just gained popularity on social media just for his like skits humor um i think his official handle is like little sasquatch 69 or something nice pretty fire um dude I, now, i've heard of him on stand up i didn't know that he was like a stand-up guy yeah he's i think he's like just now starting to do um he was here in austin back in march as well but i think that was really his like first attempt at stand up and now he's like doing a little tour but he Damn, had two, shows, awesome. two shows on Friday, two shows on Saturday. Um he was pretty funny. I mean, like I said, at any comedy show, like everyone's like gonna laugh. Yeah. But I don't know, he was he was funny, I guess. Um definitely makes me want to go to more more of those things and Austin's a great city. Uh to do that like joe rogan has like two comedy clubs down here and um kind of just there's a there's a what do you call it like like a following or marketing down here and like music comedy all that is like big down here so it's definitely there i just need to look for it and then kind of just hung out saturday sunday went to austin city limits which is pretty dope so was the was the comedy show separate from ACL? Like he wasn't yeah, there. Yeah. yeah. So he might one off. You might be thinking of like South by Southwest is what uh, everything is. It's like okay. comedy. That's definitely what I'm thinking. Music, of. Film, art, yeah. technology. Um, but yeah, this was like weekend two of Austin City Limits. So we went on Sunday. Got to meet up with some friends from school. Saw uh, my boy Rohit. No way. What's up, mate? Rohit. Hey, what's up, mate? Um, saw my good friend Isabel Hume. What's up, mate? Taboo. Um, who else? And then just like met some Elliot Gray. What's up, mate? To Elliot Gray. Hey, um, what's up, mate? Austin local. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then like. Met some of their friends, hung out with them, hung out with like Isabel's friends that I'm also friends with here. But nice, um, yeah, it was a good time. We saw Paramore, she's nice. hot. Um, yeah, Par- Paramore is like what all guys and then the lead singer's a chick, yeah, she's just like there and she has just like a band. But like, I don't yeah, know Paramore if you remember when her. I don't know if you remember, like, when her songs, like, were coming out, when we were, like, probably in, like, junior high. or Dude, all of her songs are bangers. Yeah, but I always thought that 
when those songs were out, like they were super old. But when she was making those songs, like she's only like thirty four, which she what? seems like she would be older. Yeah. So when those I songs mean, were coming out, like they seemed like they were past like our time or something. Yeah, they were like we listened to them in like two thousand five, and we thought that they were released like ten years earlier. Yeah. But the fact that she's only like thirty, like mid thirties, kind of blew yeah, my mind. She was probably like twenty when that song came yeah. out, or something, you know. But she still looks great. Nice. Uh, you think saw, she would go for a guy like you? Huh? You think she would go for a guy like you? Like I like to think so. Clearly, we still have a shot. Uh, yeah. if, if she's in her thirties, still have a shot. So that's all that matters, you know. That's attainable. You can get there. Yeah. Um. Who else we see? We saw this band called Spoon that's from Texas. They have a few popular songs. Um, we saw Red Hot Chili Peppers. Um, Damn, dude. How are the peppers? They were good. I only saw a little of them. Um, dude, I, I, I can't even describe how many fucking people were just I like there. I mean, they're one of the biggest bands damn near of all time. Yeah. At least um, in that genre. Right. No, they were good. Um it's all Big Wild, which was nice. cool. They're kind of like a indie, like electronic artist. And then is Big Wild more than one person? There's like one main guy, but he like has like two, like two or three people like in his group. Okay. Um, and then uh, Zoo, C H U. He's yeah. some little. Uh, Japanese American DJ artist. He's pretty I, dope. I, I didn't know that he was Japanese. Yeah, he's like some little fucker. Nice. Uh, he sings and he like is DJ. Uh, they literally were playing like musical chairs on stage. He brought up like five people to play musical chairs. And yeah. He was like control the the music, obviously on on the whole stage. Like on the board. Yeah, and. Uh, the person that won like got a tattoo like right on stage. What? Which I that was pretty. Did you, did you see that happen? Yeah, like he was up there like getting tattooed. Damn, that is wild. I've never seen something like that before. On, <laughs> um, That's crazy. Yeah, pretty pretty good. Uh, Monday was fucking rough, but yeah. I mean, good. most Mondays are rough though. Yeah, and like my manager too. I saw him in the office yesterday. And we were like talking about ACL and stuff. He was like, "Yeah, I didn't go on one call at all on Monday because I just okay. like couldn't couldn't speak." Uh, yeah, so so he knows what's good. Yeah, and like there was ACLs in some huge like park basically, and by Sunday of weekend two, everything's just like fucked. Everything's fucked, kind of like the ground is just basically all dirt yeah and there's just like dust getting kicked up everywhere so sunday night and monday i was just like hacking and amazing and i was blowing my nose and like black shit would like come out what <laughs> damn um you got the function flu yeah <laughs> i've never heard that i like that <laughs> uh, function flu was real but we're better now. And but so were the vibes. Yeah. So, um, you know, you, you, they usually come in pairs, you know, vibes and the flu. Like, 
if you want the yeah. vibes, you know, you vibes were great, but the flu, the flu didn't hit me too hard. Um, but that's about it. Okay. Um, I'm gonna have the function flu again this weekend for Formula One Grand Prix. That's gonna I was be. About to say, you got, I I want to hear about that. What's the plan? Yeah, so my brother and his wife are flying in from Denver Friday. Um, kind of, I'm gonna take like a half day and show them around Austin a little bit. Um, nice. Probably just fuck around Austin. We were like trying to get a boat, but they like are getting in like mid afternoon, so that would have been tough. Yeah. And, Cause then you, cause you want to make your money's worth, you know, like, yeah. Right. And then Saturday is practice and quals and then Ed Sheeran concert on Friday night, Saturday or Saturday night. Damn. Yeah. Green day's playing on Friday, but I don't know if we're going to go to that. Dude. Um, even that though going to be sick. So, so you have tickets to watch the qualifying and all that like the racing stuff on saturday and then afterwards is the concert yeah like the concerts are a part of like our three-day pass that we got and then so you are you gonna do anything friday then with it or no we probably won't go to practice on friday i mean just because we want to show them around the city a little bit you know i think Uh, yeah i think it's it would be a better time getting out in the city as opposed to going to the racetrack because you're going to yeah, be like, we don't want to be at the racetrack the whole entire weekend, you know, like yeah. we will. Yeah. Like the majority, but, um, uh, and then Sunday, yeah, Sunday's race day, uh, probably going to get there hella early to get a spot. And then. What time is that thing going to go down? Like, cause they got to have the Europe times. The race is at two. Central time, so central. Um, you folks can do the math yourselves on what time <laughs> that will be. <laughs> it's like but, it's like a prime time football game. Yeah, yeah. And then DJ Diesel. Uh, after that, which is gonna be fucking awesome. For those that are unaware, DJ Diesel is Shaquille O'Neal turned DJ. So yeah. that. That dude, I've seen some videos of his shows, and he's always lit. So should be a yeah, good time. I mean, I'm I'm very curious, but I have a feeling that we won't see a lot of him uh, because of the group I'm with, aka my sister and my sister-in-law are not probably not going to be. That's not their scene. A fan of that, just because it's straight dubstep. Yeah, but we'll see. They can probably just suck it up. Um, are they leaving on? Sunday, your brother and your wife, sister. They leave, they leave uh, Monday morning. Okay, well, I mean, you guys can still go out Sunday then. You know, they might have, they might be down. Yeah, we'll see. Um, but yeah, gonna have the function flu again probably on Monday, but it's worth it. Yeah, it's dude, it's always worth the function flu. It might yeah, be tell me about uh, your previous weekend. You probably had the function flu uh, quite heavy. Uh, kind of, I don't know, nothing, nothing crazy, but, uh, this past weekend drove down to San Francisco, saw, uh, recurrent, not a guest, but he's been mentioned on the pod before. I saw bad friend Froth who lives down there. Hey Froth. Uh, the reason that, what? Hey Froth. 
the uh, reason that I went down there. <laughs> Dude, I think our connection's messed up. What's going on? No, we're back, we're back, we're back. So I went down there to see Froth, and the reason that I went down is because our other friend, who's actually been on the show, Daniel Garza, DG Killa, what's up, mate, to him? He was down there. DG. He was in San Francisco because of some work event and decided to just stay the weekend and kind of hang out with some homies on the West Coast. You know, he, him being living in D.C., he doesn't see a lot of us too much. So we, uh, yeah, he's a traveling man. Weekend. He's a traveling yeah. man. <laughs> Dude, his. It's a like a nine hour like flight plus time change difference if you fly from San Francisco to DC. Isn't that crazy? That's brutal. Because it's I mean, six yeah, hours in the air. Fly out like hours. Sunday morning. So he fly out like Sunday morning and then he got there at seven PM. So he was supposed to fly out Sunday, but that ended up didn't that ended up not happening, but I'll get to that in a sec. <laughs> So on another one of our friends that lives in San Diego, Hayden Boggs, flew up for the weekend as well. So we hey, had four, hey. four old homies. What's up, mate, to Boggs? We had four of the homies together, which is always a good time. And uh, Friday, there's a pretty interesting start to our evening. So we uh, uh, DG gets off work kind of late. You know, he doesn't get to – doesn't get to Frost Place until probably like four or five. He thought it was yeah. only going to be half day, but it turned out to be more. So um, gets there at like four or five. We're leaving. We're planning on going to dinner. And in San Francisco, in the same way that you can rent a Lime scooter, you can rent these mopeds. That's the same. Yeah. All you need is a like driver's license and your phone and a credit card, and you can rent one of these things. So there's like an app, basically, the yeah. same way you do it. It's literally the same thing as Lime, yeah. And so Froth is like, I want to show you guys the city. Like, let's do this. Like, we'll ride the mopeds. It's sick. And I was like, sure, whatever. Like, I don't really care. And then so Hayden Boggs was, he signs up to do it. Froth is signed up. So the plan was for DG to ride with Boggs and me to ride with Froth. And we're riding around doing our thing. And Boggs is like, all right, like, I don't think I can have someone on here. Like, we should just walk. Like, I guess he got nervous. And Froth is like, no, dude, maybe, I don't know, maybe have Max sit on the back and then I can drive DG. And we're like, all right, that, that's cool. And so I hop on with Boggs. And he's like, kind of turning, whatever. And we're making some turns. And in the city, you know, there's a lot of one ways. And so we're, we're figuring it out. You know, I, I lean, he... As the same time that he does, it helps us move. And so he uh, gets on and we're going up to the hill. And then we just decide that we're going to walk to this dinner place because it was getting late. Like we wanted to be able to like eat food and then go out and not be like super crazy late. So we were like, all right, well, let's just end up going. We're just going to walk to this place or call an Uber or something. Bog's like, all right. And I was like, well, like here, let me hop on with Bogs. I I just want to take one lap on these things. Because I hadn't ridden one yet. And I was like, and they're like, all right, sure. Me and Boggs are riding around. And then he's looking to turn right because it's like a block. So we're going to, we're just going to take all right turns to get back and see Froth and Garza. And uh, 
we're taking our right turns, doing our thing. And then I'm like, dude, that's a one way. That's a one way. He's like, oh shit. Okay. So we got to like turn around and there's this big bus that's like right next to us. So we're like, all right, fuck. Like we're in over our heads a little bit. Like, let's let this, let's let this bus go by. Yeah. Bus goes right. And we're going to take another right because we couldn't before. And there's like this old woman walking and I was like, all right, slow down, Boggs. Like, let's let this woman, woman go. And I don't know if he doesn't hear me or just decides to go, but he just goes around her, like, in front of her. Yeah. But there's two cars that are waiting to go in the opposite direction. So we're going basically right at two cars. He misses the first one and hits the second one. And I'm on the back seat of a moped without a life, a, a seatbelt on because they don't have seatbelts for whatever reason. And so he runs into this car, snaps, pops its tires, and I go flying, bro. Because, <laughs> Launch off onto the yeah, like, like, no, because I'm on the back seat and his, the front tire gets stopped. You know, I just fucking go flying. Did you fly onto the car or onto the pavement? I flew off of the moped onto the, in the middle of the street. Yeah. I wasn't sure if you flew onto the car. Like, no, no, no. I didn't hit the car. I didn't hit the car. But... Uh, he was able to kind of right turn or turn to the right real quick. And I like, we, he, he missed the bumper, scrapped some paint, but popped the tire and I just go flying. And then I, um, we get up and then my feet are at Boggs's head. So like, I like got some air, but luckily this fucking guy who we hit is the coolest dude ever. He was like, worried if we were hurt or like whatever and he was like kind of like he was way more worried about worried about us than his car like we thought yeah, sure. he probably thought it was his fault or something because if he oh he was parked the whole time like we ran straight into him and so yeah, okay. yeah that makes sense i thought he was like in drive no the two of them were just parked right there i don't know if i made that clear or not but um we hit them and this guy's super cool. Me and Boggs ended up changing the tire for him. And he was like really appreciative because he said he didn't know how to change a tire and never done it before. So we were like, all right, cool. Like this guy, he, he, up, he ended up, up for it. yeah, we, we kind of made up for it, but uh, he ended up being a good guy. I don't know if he's going to charge Boggs's insurance for the tire. I would, if I was him, but I could tell that he had, he had a nice car in his San Francisco and lived in the city. So, what kind of car did he drive? It was a brand new like Honda Forerunner or fucking Toyota Forerunner, like a nice kind of SUV type. And he said that he had never even opened the manual owner's manual because we were like, all right, let's check to see how we get this tire removed, whatever. And he was like, all right. he's like, I've actually never never opened this. And I was like, all right, well, maybe his like lack of knowledge will help out in our favor. Right. Dude, I'm sure Boggs was bugging after. Yeah, Boggs was pretty worried. I was worried about Boggs because I kind of hurt my leg because my leg got smashed in between the moped and the car. Yeah. So my leg was kind of hurting a little bit. And he said that he was fine. But if anyone knows Hayden Boggs, he would be the type of guy that'd be like, oh, I'm fine, but actually have like a broken leg or something. Yeah, quite quite humble, Mr. Boggs is. Uh, <laughs> Not one to not one to boast. Not one not one to admit weakness either. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was worried about him. He said he was fine. 
and my leg was kind of hurting, but I was like, yeah, I think that's just like bruised, like should be okay. And when I woke up on Saturday morning, it felt a lot better, which I was really happy about. Cause I, I was worried that my car, my leg hurt a little bit, but didn't hurt that bad because of adrenaline. And I was worried. It's like, Oh shit. Saturday morning. It's probably going to be hurting a lot, but um, it yeah, I'm sure you were amped up after that yeah. uh, little accident. Yeah. What, did you you hit that shit and like were DG and Froth like where the hell are these guys or did you call them right away and you were like I call yeah. I will so I texted both of them sent my location and then I didn't hear back for like a minute or two so I called them and was like hey yeah like, we hit a car like dead ass <laughs> like no you didn't I'm like dead ass I sent you my location you got to come here right now. <laughs> And so they were, I don't know what their thoughts were when they pulled up on the scene, but I think me and Boggs were already taking care of it, but. Yeah. No, it's just funny. I'm just picturing them saying like, shut the fuck up. No, you did not hit a car. Yeah. And I was like, no, I'm, I'm dead. No, like, I'm we, not kidding. Like, we actually just wrecked. Yeah. Also the fact of me saying Boggs hit, like Boggs ran into a car. Like it makes a lot more sense. Like they would think that's more of a joke than them saying I ran into a car, you know? Yeah. Cause he was already tweaking on the moped. Yeah. So. Cause like, Oh, he's going to hit a car. Like he's bugging, whatever. And then yeah. like, like, all right, Pogs actually hit a car. You need to come by us. <laughs> what? So what do you do after that? Do you like, I'm assuming you ditch the mopeds and call an Uber or walk. Yeah. We ended up walking bros. A nine minute walk from frost place. So froth had, that bright idea to show us around the city yeah. with the mopeds and then Boggs ends up running into a fucking car and all that stuff. But yeah, it was it was a nine minute walk to the restaurant. We went and go there. Was the restaurant good at least? Uh we didn't end up going because the wait was too long. So <laughs> oh my God. Yes, that was awesome. I uh he's like, it's gonna be this was like five thirty maybe, and he was like, Um, our next available table is at nine o'clock. And we're like, all right, I think like we're out. And I was like, all right, thanks, bro. I just got hit by a car later. <laughs> and he was like, he's like, what? Are you serious? And I was like, I was like, yeah, dude, I'll be fine later. You know, just kind of. All I wanted was like a really good meal. Like, I just wanted a really good meal. I was feeling pretty shitty, but it's cool. <laughs> yeah. No, but uh, uh, waiting three and a half hours for a table sounds good, too. Yeah. Guy. Yeah. Mr. Man over there, but, um, yeah, I mean, the, so the rest of the night we went out, had a good time with Frost Buddies, who I've already met a couple times, and Saturday just kind of did more of the same, slow start, went and saw Tennessee beat Bama, which was sick, I don't know if you yeah. saw that game, but. Yeah, we watched it. That was, that was awesome, seeing Bama lose always, and then went out afterwards, and real quick, I, I gotta finish this up got to get to the flick but um on saturday we're pounding like we get some food and then we go out and we're pounding espresso martinis like no one's business like it's not i'm not a coffee so watching bama lose is always a nice thing we were at some kind of like outdoor bar i mean it was an outdoor bar but like the front was inside the back had like a nice little patio area that we were hanging out in yeah, what was the weather? What was the weather like there? It was like sixties. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like sixties and cloudy, like pretty much. I mean, that's how it pretty much always is since I've been there. Yeah. And it's kind of like you know you 
go out in light pants and maybe a light jacket or a t-shirt if you're feeling up for it. Like nothing, nothing crazy. Um, nothing crazy. But we're at this bar, watch Bama lose, and while we're doing that, we're drinking a lot of different espresso martini type drinks. And I'm not like a big coffee guy. Like I don't. I actually like espresso martinis because I like the little boost that it gives me, and it kind of tastes like a, a little bit like hot chocolate. I think. Yeah. So I'm like, all right, fuck yeah, like, I don't mind this. And then by the end, like you know, like we're amped up, feeling good. So we go out, hitting the town, and the Bama game ends at like seven, and we, like we we were basic, we basically left to go out at like I don't know two, you right. know, because we went. And, eight and then watch the Bama game and then whatever. And then we're out and meet up with his friends that we met from the night before saw from the night before. And, uh, they're like these, the two friends of fraught that I hang out with a lot, Jordan and wall was up mate to those guys. Uh, these guys are like night owl extraordinaires. They're always out to like five, six, whatever. Like once the guards close, they always got to move. Yeah. Always. And you're somewhere. Yeah, it's always after somewhere, and and they got like caffeine pills on them, ready to roll. And like I've never, I'm not like a big caffeine guy. I don't like I said, I'm, I don't really drink coffee, so I'm not a big caffeine guy. But I was like, all right, fuck it off, one like caffeine pills is aggressive. It's super aggressive, and Froth and Garza ended up having like three each, I think, because they were trying to go out super late, and Garza has a flight at. 8 a.m. that takes off at 8 a.m. from San Francisco airport, which means he has to get there at like 6, 6.30, definitely before 7. Yeah, and it's like not – is it pretty far from – I know it's like kind of right on the water, isn't it? Yeah, it's right in the bay, but it's kind of south of San Francisco, so it's like probably 25 to 35 minutes depending on traffic from Frost Place. Yeah. And so – we're doing our thing out and about and then the bars all end up closing and wall and jordan are like trying to go out and boggs had already called it by that point boggs left the bars at like 11 30 maybe that's classic and and he was trying to get me to come too and i kind of did just because we had been drinking for like nine ten hours at that point almost and and um I ended up being like, you know, fuck it. Like, I'm only, I only see these guys so often. Like, I got to go out. And then we're out, bars closed. They try to go to these after hours. And me and me, Froth and Guards end up bailing at like two or three from this one place we were hanging out. Go to bed and whatever, pretty late. Both nights were like post like 3 a.m. falls asleep, like pretty late. And I hear Guards' alarm go off. I'm like, thank God. But that is not me. And then, <laughs> and then, fuck yeah. And then a couple hours later, I hear like this loud dinging, like a doorbell. And Froth technically has a doorbell with this building. You can like buzz him, and it's going crazy. I'm like, what the fuck? I check my phone. It's eight o'clock, and I get a text from Garza that's in a group chat. That's like, if any of you are awake, please like let me know. And I was like, what the fuck ended up happening? And Get Garza. He said he was like too hungover to fly, and I was like, "Oh shit, oh, shit. good." He could it, ended up being, up. it ended up being pretty gnarly though, because 
Motherfucking Leroy. That's my roommate, Josh. He was saying what's up. What up, mate? <laughs> you said motherfucking Leroy. That might be a uh, reference to Leroy Jenkins back in the day. <laughs> but um, we're out. I kind of lost my train. Okay, so he's like throwing up for the next couple hours, like not good. And then I ended up rolling out of bed at like maybe 9 or 10. No, before that. Yeah, nah, nah probably like 10. I don't know why I'm debating with myself right now, but um, he's like, dude, I need to go to the urgent care. And I was like, no way. I was like, nah, dude, come on. You're just hungover. And he's like, no, seriously, I need to. I was like, all right, cool. Go to the urgent care. Fucking, they're like, all right, you just need fluids. You're really dehydrated. And then the ambulance comes, like gives him fluids, whatever. So he gets released and he's all good. But meanwhile, this time I'm like, okay, I need to bog. I told Boggs I drive him to the airport. Like Boggs has a flight at one. Like I need to like leave because it's a yeah. 45 to an hour drive. Like I don't, like I need to like get him there. And I'm like, all right, Froth, like one of our good friends is like, in the ambulance you didn't come to the urgent care with us like we need to bail like you need to kind of like just grow up and like i know you're hung over but like one of our friends in the ambulance like fucking nut up dude and Wait, and he's did him to drive fogs to the airport instead no i was like dude like you someone needs to come and help out garza because if he ends up going to the hospital like he shouldn't be there by himself when he oh, doesn't yeah. live in Sanford, like he lives like thousands of miles away. Like I can't be there to like watch him and make sure everything's okay because I need to leave at some point. And Frost, like I'm too hungover to leave bed. It's like, all right, bro, come on, like yeah, like suck it up. Yeah, like get out of bed, bro. <laughs> you know. And and uh, it ends up being fine. Gars is released, so we he actually never has a he doesn't have to go to the hospital, which is good. Like, but get him from the ambulance. Drive Boggs home, get back up to South Lake, whatever. But, you know, it's just an eventful weekend between running into a car and then... Dude, I can't believe he was that hungover that he, like, knew he needed to go to the urgent. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, he thought that he had a temperature, so I was like... He asked me if I would go to CVS and give him a thermometer, and I was going to, and then he's like, actually, I'm just going to go to the urgent care so it's like all right well whatever you like like i don't know if i've ever been that hungover where like that bad where i might yeah go to the urgent care like usually you just sleep it off walk it off like say yeah. fuck you like this really sucks and drink a lot of water and yeah i mean i guess good for him for knowing his body that way well. you know, yeah he did his thing and you know maybe us deciding not to go to the urgent care if it was us is the bad move. Yeah, because he could have, like, something could have happened a lot worse. Yeah. But certainly an interesting weekend. Yeah. But that's that's enough about us. We've been kind of rambling on. I didn't anticipate taking so long with that story, but... Um, no, it was eventful. We had a lot of catch-up on. We did. It was only... Even though only it was a couple days, but... Yeah. Should we uh, get into the main segment on... Uh... I, think that, I think that it's about that time to just get into the thick of it. All right. Should we tell the folks... Uh, you want to tell the folks what we're diving into right now? Yeah. So the movie that we chose to discuss today, episode 18 of the What's Up Made podcast, is Top Gun Maverick. 
recently released. Uh, Hit the theaters around Memorial Day of this past year, 2022, and uh, seemed to do pretty well. Uh, Cracked the billion-dollar box office club, only 51 movies all time. This was number 51 to break that barrier, so what's up, mate, to Top Gun and everyone involved for doing that? It's pretty sweet. Yeah, pretty insane that just, I don't know, you always hear about billionaires around but the fact that a movie like just stuff yeah. on screen can can produce that much money is pretty insane and um yeah i mean it's the most recent movie that i can think of that did a billion like do you know yeah i think i, w- I looked at some list the other day i think that uh spider-man no way home like yeah. the spider-man 3 basically um i think that one cracked I think that was the number 50. Yeah. Before this. And like everyone knows Avatar did. Or Avatar is like the highest grossing film ever, is it? Yeah, it was that and Endgame mm-hmm. was like in competition. And then they re-released Avatar to like boost it up. Yeah. So like kind of like Max said, it was released this past Memorial Day, which I feel like was a great uh, move on their part. Just yeah. everyone seeing it during the summer. Like I know I saw it probably a week after it came yeah. out, a couple weeks. But uh, initially, it, like, this movie was supposed to come out, like, pretty much three years ago. But it was supposed to be released initially on July 12th, 2019. Mm-hmm. And then got pushed basically a year to June 2020. Then everyone can probably guess what happened because of that. Uh, so it proceeded to get pushed three more times. Uh to our final release date of Memorial Day 2022. So a long time coming. I'm sure Tom Cruise and all the cast and producers were really kind of anxious for for the release and just so many delays and a lot more money they probably had to spend uh, the studio and all the EPs to to get this movie made, you know? Yeah, I mean, so how does that work, you think? Like, they... I mean, I guess everyone gets paid for the movie if you're, I mean, assuming that you don't get any back end, everybody gets paid when it's finished, right? Like when they release, when they submit it to like Paramount or Warner Brothers or whatever, probably. I, I think so. That's something we should actually look into. Um, just on like, like movie one-on-one, you know? They wanted to get this thing out. Obviously they don't want to sit on it long because the way it works, you know, probably they, the studio pays them, whoever, the movie makers, actors, everyone, the final product of the movie. And then the movie just isn't released for years, you know? So that's why they probably wanted to get it done if I had a guess. But I heard that Tom Cruise himself was a big driving force behind them, not releasing it until 2022 because you know, movie theaters opened up last summer. You know, they were they were open last summer before. They were probably even open before that. You know, right? They they probably were negotiating whether maybe to release it on a streaming service, mm-hmm. like you know how HBO Max like did that whole thing where they had a bunch of movies released straight to streaming. Yeah, um, they kind of both. The fact theaters uh, being closed. And then there was a huge, there was a bunch of controversy about, about that. Like studios didn't really want to do that. 
Because uh, they wouldn't make they any money, really, you know? Losing money and, and all that. So it's a fair point. But, um, yeah, like Tom Cruise, this was – he was, like, basically the, the maker of this movie. Um, I read something, like, this, this movie's basically Top Gun Tom Cruise, basically. Yeah. It's just a movie about him. Yeah. But uh, he, he wanted – to present it in the way that it was shot and i was reading stuff on how the cameras they were using and the way it was produced mm -hmm. like to get the full experience you kind of have to see it in the theater Definitely. like the, the cameras they were using were these super wide angles and they're using you imax to, if you were to watch that like on your home television yeah it's going to be sweet but uh probably not the same effect as the imax cameras and the imax sound so uh, props to him for doing that. Yeah. yeah, he maybe lost some money or had to negotiate with the studio and the the producers, but I think the way it was worth it. And definitely, uh, I think the studio knows that too. Now you know, yeah, for, for it making a billion dollars, like in hindsight's twenty twenty. Yeah. But uh, I don't know if you. I'm assuming this this clip was shown at every like theater showing, but at the very beginning. It's just like a minute clip of Tom Cruise in a studio chair talking and he's basically saying like, thanks for being here. This took like a really long time, uh, like a lot of hard work, a lot of dollars were invested in this movie and we hope you enjoy it because I think he ends it by saying like this, this is for you, like yeah. you, the viewer, um, which I thought was a nice like touch or a little like antidote that was added in um, at the beginning and it got, I don't know about you, but it got me like super juiced. Oh yeah. Like right after he finished. Oh I was yeah. Like, All right, we're, we're locked in. Um, and then, yeah, it starts out really hot. Yeah. So we can just start getting into it real quick. I, I uh, just want to say I watched the movie the other night and I saw it in theaters as well as the other night. And you're right. The theater experience is the definite way to watch this movie. You know, I watched it at, on my couch with the lights off and it was a good time, but you know, still can't beat that theater experience, which I still think is a valuable way to watch a movie. And I don't think theaters are going to die necessarily. Maybe they'll slow down, but that's a different conversation for another time, perhaps. Um, yeah. But, yeah. but it, I'm glad that it started out the way it did. Yeah. Uh, you kind of get a your your nostalgia fix in right away yeah. with the the um, kind of quote that's at the beginning talking about like on March you know, Top Gun School, yeah, which is the same like quote that was in the original movie. Mm -hmm. um, and Tom Cruise is like some he's at the flight school still, or he's at some base and don't they have they have to like hit Mach 10 for them to keep the base open or something right and yeah. nobody's well, real quick, even before that when they were doing the lettering they did the top gun theme where it was like da -na, na -na -na -na, like all that shit then, nostalgia for sure and then they go into danger zone right after that so those two combined i thought was a great way to start the movie first and foremost um yeah. but yeah so they have to hit Mach 10 in order to continue this program to see the limits that can be pushed with a manned aircraft. So they use this thing called the Death Star or Dark Star? Dark Star. 
dark, dark, star, dark sky or something. I don't yeah, know. But it's not Death Star because that's from, from the, yeah. uh, Star Wars. But uh, they they use this plane and they've got the classic of, you know, Pete Mitchell Maverick being like, you don't have to go through with this. You know, you're going to lose your job or you're like, you're done flying, whatever. He's like, but I know what happens to everyone else if I don't do this. It's like, all right, classic fucking like yeah. cheesy fucking Maverick, you know, but ends up hitting Mach 10. And I think that that scene was just like, one of my favorite shots in the movie was them, was Tom Cruise walking into the hammer, showing the dark star with the, the all black and it's just like razor fucking sharp turns and edges yeah. and everything like, that thing yeah it's like, it looked like a spaceship yeah it did. Pretty, um and yeah just like the he's like all suited up he's on the runway and he gets like a, a radio message saying like that the captain or whoever is that's played by ed helms yeah um shows up he's like trying to terminate the mission yeah because he's and, like he's big they call him what the drone drone ranger mm. he's basically trying to shut everything down tom cruise as you can guess says fuck it and yeah takes off on the runway right over ed helms and his boys and yeah uh real quick i read something that 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 shot they could only shoot once yeah with with him flying directly over yeah, and real shot like the all the wind speed and uh there's there's like a little building or shed there. Yeah, it's like the security right. checkpoint. Right, and they weren't expecting the roof to fly off of that, but it did, and just the which is awesome. The shock I I love that. Yeah, the shockwave uh, obviously took its course on everybody standing there. But uh, side note, I guess I read that. So Ed Helms, pretty famous actor, and all right, real, real quick, real quick, Ian. So it's Ed Harris. Ed Harris. Ed Helms. Ed, who's Ed Helms? Ed Helms is the guy in uh in the and like all that. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. Ed Harris. Which is uh, it? I I didn't want to interrupt you, but I just I think that's an important distinction. Yeah. yeah, they're a lot different. Uh, might be folks. Um, Ed Mates. But Ed, Ed Harris. And Tom Cruise had worked together prior in a movie back in like nineteen ninety something. Uh, it's a movie called The Firm, based off of uh, John Grisham's book. But there was like a twenty or twenty five thirty year gap of them never working together. And even though Ed Ed, Hel- Ed Harris doesn't really have a huge role in the movie, I thought that was pretty cool to see them working together. Yeah, yeah, yeah and that's. Ed Harris is just a cool guy for all of our Westworld fans out there. He's the man in the black hat. And yeah. He's just he's just like the perfect character to be a hard ass military guy, you know. Yeah, he plays that role uh pretty well. But yeah, and then so Tom Cruise ends up getting kind of invited to go back to the Top Gun school, right? Yeah, I mean invited might be a nice way to say it, but I think basically what ended up happening was that Ed Harris calls him in the office and was basically like, "Yo, that like can't do that shit. That's a disorder." Um, and so he's like, "Your one saving grace is that they need you at Top Gun 
to fly, like show them how to do this crazy mission. Or they need you a Top Gun, and then he goes there, and fucking John Hamm is the... He's a hardo. He's another hardo with his buddy, the uh, Warlock, the supporting kind of like Vice John Hamm role. Yeah. And one of the things Fairly. I thought that was funny about that scene is that, or I guess not necessarily funny, but interesting, was they showed it to to Tom Cruise, and he's like, lays out the whole plan of like, okay, you'll need four fighters. They'll work in do- pairs. They'll drop the bomb, whatever. And he says that plan before he even knows what his role is, because they're like, no, we right. don't want you to fly. We want you to teach. And he was like, no. Yeah. He's like, oh, I'm going to be like in one of the planes. Yeah, he's like, okay, well, I don't know if I trust any three other people to fly that with me. And they're like, no, 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 no. Like, we're giving this to like young people. Like, you're. Yeah, you're just here to train, buddy. Yeah. Um, But I thought thought that that was an interesting aspect of the movie and just shows how good Maverick is that he called out that plan like from the jump, like had no time to think about it at all. And just said, this is the best way to do it if you want to actually succeed. And that plan is what he ends up sticking with. And spoiler, folks, it ends up working in the end. Yeah, with with him in yeah. it. Um, yeah, it was, it was kind of interesting how like Top Gun School had been around for a while. And all like the, the pilots were sitting kind of ready to get trained for the first time. And... The, the instructor at the beginning is like, hey, we brought on like a, a veteran, blah, blah, blah. Like he goes on a spiel and a few of them turn around and they like see that it's Maverick and like they get like super upset because they, they know his reputation and the fact that he's like still a legend around the school and everybody knows around him is, uh, was pretty cool, I thought. I think, no, I agree with that. I think another reason that they might have been a little bit taken back by Tom Cruise being the instructors that the night before they were at the bar yeah. and a couple of the guys gave him a hard time because he had to buy rounds and was like calling him an old man and all this shit. And then lo and behold, he's your instructor. It's like, Oh fuck. That's not. A- yeah. What was the thing at the bar? Like if you mistreat the, the bartender, you got to like ring the bell or something. And yeah, it's if you disrespect a lady, the Navy or have your phone on the bar you have to buy everyone around and she caught him with the phone on the bar. And then he ends up getting kicked out later because yeah. if your card gets declined, you get like thrown out or something. Yeah. And so, yeah, they like toss him yeah. onto the, and so is that the, that's the scene where we see Rooster, Rooster for the first time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I just thought how how much they tied the storyline back to Goose, which I feel like that was inevitable. But um, I think that was a great decision, though. Like just a, a great theme in the movie for them to add. Like there was a bunch of flashbacks and their relationship and and storyline between Maverick and Brewster mm-hmm. on how like they kind of basically Brewster basically hates him because he thinks it was like his fault for his dad like dying in, in combat or in the training session and um, all that. But we see them kind of develop closer together and they end up like both saving each other's lives mm-hmm. at some point in the film. Yeah. I think, I think that it was genius for them to 
include the flashbacks during that scene of him singing Great Balls of Fire because that was a scene that was in the first one that was a fan favorite of Goose and Mav singing that together. And then lo and behold, Rooster is there as well and as a little kid. And I thought it was great to include that because I feel like a lot of people might have forgotten that scene or didn't put together that Rooster was Goose's son. And I think a great proof I think great proof of that is when we were watching I was watching with my roommate Dolph the other night and that scene comes up and they show the flashbacks and the first thing he says is, Oh man, I haven't seen Top Gun in a while. And so yeah. like he had forgotten all about that, but because they included that, he remembered that scene again, you know? So I Right, yeah. It's that's like, like a fir- like that a first person like proof that that was the right call yeah. if they did that. And it's, I remember hearing people talk about like, oh, like, do I need to see the original Top Gun to like watch this one? Like, yeah. like no, but Not really, because they kind of probably, yeah. probably, yeah. like, it would definitely help. Yeah. Um, and so many people like rewatched the the original one, or they watched it for the first time, and they were like, "This is the cheesiest movie." I've ever yeah, seen yeah. There. Like this movie's like kind of shitty. Because um, there's really not much plot in the first one. No, but. It, I'm sure when it first came out, it was like so ahead of its time. Yeah, and like I feel like all those action movies back then were kind of cheesy. Yeah, it was more like about so. just like the action and how they could film it and like showing fucking like seeing, planes seeing in Maverick. the air in a movie. Seeing Maverick in his prime. Yeah. Um, I don't know. What do you honest opinion on Miles Teller in in the film? Honest opinion is I think that. He did a great job. I think that the nature of the role is always going to be a little bit just kind of like, I don't know. I mean, like, you, everyone knew that, like, him and Maverick were going to end up having a good relationship. Yeah, like, it was, they were going to end up, like, getting on good terms. Yeah, like, but... everyone knew that they were going to start out fighting, and then there's going to be some, like, trial that happens, and they bring them together, right. and then they're going to be homies afterwards. So, like, it's just a very predictable role to portray to begin with. Yeah. But I still think that he did a great job, like, adding his own flair to it, you know, like, learning how to play the piano, or not necessarily learning how to play the piano, but learning the Great Balls of Fire song and performing it. And, like, I think physically the way he looked as the character made a lot of sense because his like hair was a little bit like highlighted blonde because that's his goose and then goose's wife were both blonde so, like, uh, he he looked the part very well you know obviously very in shape as well and not to say that i think that the portrayal of that character was necessarily easy but i think that a, a lot of people could have played that role and done well but i think that him looking the part really made it a, a a better portrayal in the movie. Agreed. Yeah. It, and just for how up and coming Miles Teller is right now, it was kind of sick to see him in a role like that. Like yeah. A high budget, high budget studio film like this, like right next to one of the greatest actors that have lived. Yeah. Like, so, and, and this is like a, uh, this is a movie star movie, you know, like this isn't like, yeah. Like Robert, 
not like it's not like they're diving super into dialogue or like details like it's about action it's like this is how to be a fucking movie star and tom cruise is like the best movie star ever you know like he only does like big action like gets the girl type movies and this is just another typical one of those but it makes sense because that's top gun as a franchise is that whole mantra that whole yeah 100 percent. and a little side note i'm sure a lot of people heard about this like quote or, or kind of side story that happened in production but i guess in one of the the shooting scenes uh when they were flying in the jets uh miles teller like got head to toe and like hives or something and had like a, a reaction to something and went to like the emergency room or the medic after and the doctor said that it was a reaction of jet fuel, jet fuel getting in his bloodstream damn i forgot and, about that um, he like he eventually told Tom Cruise like obviously and Tom Cruise made like a side comment saying like I was born with jet fuel in my bloodstream <laughs> or something just like the biggest fuck you to, uh, <laughs> he's um, like bro just in case you forgot I'm still fucking Tom Cruise like I'm not, yeah. not pressed like we're gonna make this movie yeah seriously um no Miles Teller is good I thought how you said like it's a hard it's a hard role to kind of or an inevitable role. It's hard to like break out in that kind of role because it's yeah. so like there were certain points where I was like, Miles Teller's doing good, but it's just kind of like he's being like cheesy. Yeah. I think it's just the nature of that role is he was like whining or like I don't know, he's a little cheesy, but like you said, it's kind of just a hard role to step into, but yeah. he did his better than anyone else could have, probably. Yeah, I mean, so it was, it was actually down between him. Uh, another guy and Glenn Powell, who ended up being Hangman. So, mm-hmm. so Glenn Powell was actually so was so impressive that they ended up expanding the Hangman role. I guess he was just kind of like a minor character, and maybe they even ended up changing the ending for him. But um, I thought Glenn Powell did a great job as Hangman. Yeah, are you saying the ending, like, on how he kind of, like, saves the day? Yeah, like, maybe bit? that wasn't Hangman originally. Maybe they expanded that for him, but... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's always got kind of got to be, like, some... He was kind of, like, an antagonist yeah, a little I mean, bit. he like, was, like, he, I was saying... He, he hated Maverick. He, like, thought he was the best. Like, he... And then he ended up getting put on, like, the B-Squad, yeah. doesn't he? Like, yeah. Um, Which... Just, like, walking around with a bunch of swagger. And, like, he was walking around in the bar, like, basically trying to own the place and he's like oh fucking the roosters here like yeah like i don't give a fuck boy slow yeah but i what so there were like six six fighter pilots plus maverick right there were five plus him yeah so and i don't know they each kind of had their own like little style but yeah most of them i didn't really recognize i don't know about you like from previous work yeah, I like did as, not recognize as actors and actresses. Yeah, so I recognize Glenn just, Powell because he was in the yeah. movie Hidden Figures. I don't know if you saw that, um, but that's about like the space race back in the day, and he portrayed John Glenn. And I saw that movie, recognized him from that, but that was it. I had never recognized him. I obviously knew Miles Teller and Tom Cruise. I didn't know Penny. I knew John Hamm yeah. and Ed Harris and all those guys, but um. yeah, just the the amount of like training they had to go through was pretty 
unbelievable to read about. Like they're a big thing for Tom Cruise and like Jerry Bruckheimer and, and the director was that like they wanted to limit the amount of CGI use like as possible. Mm-hmm. So these are like real shots and real jets. Obviously like they're not flying jets, but they're in like a two seater yeah. and the camera angles like in the, the back seat. Yeah. Um, there's a real there. life pilot flying the planes, but they're acting yeah. as if they were that pilot. And like, you know, they're, the planes are, they're in the backseat of the plane, you know, when this thing's going six, six, seven G's, like they're still going six, seven G's. Right. Miles Teller apparently said that uh, three, at least like three of the new actors threw up every day while filming in the Jets, which. That's awesome. I'm not surprised at all. Uh, I feel like I'd be thrown out the entire time. And, yeah. Uh, they obviously they have to like get into overall physical shape just to withstand like the G force and uh, yeah. going like mock whatever. Um, and that's another aspect of the whole Top Gun like folklore is that like you know they're all good looking, they're all in shape. You know, like if you're Based on the first movie, you know, if you're going to be a pilot in the second one after everybody already knows the first one, like, you're going to be good looking. You're going to be in really good shape. It's just yeah. How it yeah. Yeah. I thought, uh, I mean, they kind of started out pretty hot in terms of the training. Like, one of the my favorite scenes was the, like, game they play, yeah. dogfighting. Yeah. Um, they're all, like, in formation and... Tom Cruise is explaining the the rules to the game. Like they, I forget the exact rules, but they basically just have to dogfight. No like missiles allowed. Yeah. Um, they just whoever have to gets locked on loses. Whoever like yeah. basically last last man's surviving. Right, and he's saying that, and they're like coming up with punishments, like two hundred push ups to the team that loses, and and the pilots the pilots like, up with that because they're like, oh, we're about to smoke this old man. Yeah. And they're like, all right, let's begin. And they're like, where the fuck is he? And he just shoots up like from right underneath yeah. them, and they all work around. And the the soundtrack of that scene, I remember being pretty sweet. Yeah, uh, it's um, it's the Who. It's what's the songs? Um, a uh, new constitution. I which I think was, yeah. I think that's a great song to use because, you know, hey, I'm about to get metaphorical in here, but. I think that, you know, like they were the new constitution. Like he was, he was, Tom Cruise is the original constitution teaching them the new constitution. The constitution of flying, you know, like this is how it's done. If you want to succeed, this is what you need to do. Yeah, no, hundred percent. I'm sure they had that same exact conversation. Like when they were picking the song, you know, like. (laughs) That's one of those English teacher things that's like, oh, the. The, the fucking drapes were blue because he was feeling sad. Like, <laughs> yeah. No, it's, uh, I guess like kind of getting into the, the meat of it. Like they go through this training and like, this is, it's this extremely hard, like exercise that they, they're looking at and hearing on how it's supposed to be done and mm-hmm. weaving through this like Canyon basically. And, doing a blind shot on this little target and having to pull up extremely fast and go like mock whatever the G forces are insane. Potentially 10. Um, like the, the ceiling or whatever 
they call it like is is very low in terms of if they break the ceiling there's like these uh missile guns or whatever yeah. that are gonna hit them like and, an automatic defense that's like if you go above right. 300 feet you're gonna get smoked off those yeah. guys and so like they keep trying none of them can get it and doesn't like the the mission end up getting like the training end up ends up getting like terminated or something and yeah tom cruise eventually like just goes beast mode and ends up doing it like under the time limit yeah so a couple things happen so they're doing the training and tom cruise sets the limit at like let's i think he said in real life you need to do it in under two two minutes and 30 seconds it needs to be completed in real life and you're not allowed to go above like 300 feet and Mm. and that's what he sets the parameters at for the training and then no one's really able to get the training. Rooster was able to complete it, but they were like two or three minutes late, so that gave enough time for the defense planes to get in the air and fight them off. Right. And then um, Tom Cruise is button heads with John Hamm and uh, looks, and then he gets called into Iceman's office. Hmm. And so, first and foremost, I think that the Iceman character in this was just awesome. Like, I, like him yeah. being a, as a part of the story, I think is great because first, first of all, he's so he's admiral of the Pacific Fleet, or excuse me, he's he's a commander of the Pacific Fleet, which is only given to four star admirals. So this is the equivalent of being a general in the army that's in charge of like everyone in the middle east like he's like like his direct report is to the president and the director of the navy as like commander of the pacific fleet so like first and foremost like iceman is a straight badass like he's like he's in charge of like everyone you know yeah every ship and plane every ship and plane and sailor on the pacific ocean which is the biggest ocean in the world I, yeah. I looked it up. There's there's six different fleets. You know, I said that he was the commander of the Pacific Fleet. There's only five others in the world, and the Pacific is the biggest. So, like, there's six people of his rank, and he is, like, the, in charge of the most of any. So, like, I, I think having him being in that role is really sick. Yeah, and just kind of how they, they introduced him, like uh... – at the end of the original Top Gun, like he, they like kind of make amends mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah. Um, and he kind of goes back to get some wisdom from, from Val Kilmer. Yeah. Cause Val Kilmer's like his only homie in the army or in the Navy at this yeah. point. Like everyone's he's like, like Maverick. Like he's, yeah. He's like not really in the best shape though, right? He's, nah, he, he's like got throat cancer or something and just sounds like shit. Yeah. 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 So, one thing I think that's pretty cool about the movie is that in real life, Val Kimmer had had throat cancer. He beat it, but he still lost his voice box. So he's got like a pretty, like it's hard for him to talk. Yeah. And in the movie, they had that same thing happen to Iceman, which I think is a pretty cool way to like, not only like, I, th- I think it's cool for them to do that for Val Kimmer to be. To make- yeah. To still like use the same. Actor. Yeah. And to acknowledge. Yeah. That like this part. this happens to people in real life. Like 
you can still be like a movie star and like be like a complete badass leading a fleet even if you have throat cancer like i think that's a cool message to send yeah for sure and like uh they could have easily yeah they could have easily just like left him out and yeah. like maverick uh figure this out on his own but uh he kind of needed to talk to somebody he he like trusted and and that's awesome. can uh kind of lead on for for wisdom on how to like lead these people like through this mission and uh yeah it was a great way but um i was val kilmer like besides the original talking I, I can't think of anything else that he was like in off the top of my head i know that he was one of the batmans at some point oh really yeah and then he portrayed jim morrison and like an original, like an OG biopic about the Doors. I mean, I feel like he's one of those guys that just got famous during our parents' generation and was just like, oh, you know, like he's Val Kilmer, like he's fucking famous as shit. You know, I, I think that he was a big movie star in the '80s and '90s, and then just kind of stayed like relevant. Yeah. Um. But so he goes to Val Kilmer because Val Kilmer. Is not ha- or the the Navy's not happy with the way that Maverick has been kind of like given lip to John Hamm, and eventually Val Kilmer ends up dying, not in real life but in the movie. Iceman dies, and there's a big funeral and pretty awesome scene with all the pilots there and showing the ceremony and everything. But uh, because of his death, John Hamm kind of fires slash takes off the responsibility of Maverick's shoulders and is like, oh, I'm in charge now. It's like, right. you are you need to mourn the loss of your buddy or whatever. And Maverick's like, I loved him a lot. You know, I'm mourning him, but like that doesn't change the fact that we still... Yeah, if anything, like that gives him more motivation. Yeah, to like- exactly. Like he's yeah. like still down. Like he's probably even more so of like, we need to do this more than ever because we need to like do it for ice kind of. Um, but John Hamm takes over and I mentioned the parameters earlier. And then I think he changes it from like two and a half minutes to four minutes and then says like the, or no, sorry, the parameters before were a hundred feet. Then he moves it up to 300 feet in four minutes. So just like makes it unrealistic. And at this point, Tom Cruise has been told that he's basically done as a fighter pilot and he doesn't like that very much so you want to tell the folks what he ends up doing you kind of referred to it a little earlier yeah he basically just says fuck you john ham and uh <laughs> kind of i forget how exactly it like it's introduced but they're like oh there's someone like out there or something and he he zooms by in a jet like right over the over the tower where john ham is yeah. and goes and does the mission and he kills it under the parameters that he originally set. Yeah. And so, and, and he said, and he did that when, with the students watching as well. And he said, like, basically I'm not going down with the fight. Like I need to show these kids that it's possible to do this because a big theme so far was that this mission's impossible. Like people are going to die. You can't do it. And no one had actually been able to do it. And Maverick had actually never even tried. And he's like, okay, set the parameters to two minutes, 15 seconds. I'm just about to, like, do this on my own. And he ends up falling. Yeah, he, he balls out and then doesn't 
John Ham's just like, all right, you kind of proved your point. Yeah, uh, we're gonna we're gonna send you. Like, yeah, yeah. So yeah, so he, he, never, he never really he never really expected that. No, I agree. And damn, you motherfucker. <laughs> Yeah, pretty interesting that he does end up going on the flight because we mentioned earlier that he was like assuming that he was going to do it to begin with. Right. And they're like, oh, no, you're going to teach it. And then he ends up actually then, Yeah, himself. I feel like they eventually tell him. He's like, are you serious? Like, I thought this wasn't actually going to happen. And then he gets shipped off uh, yeah. with the crew, which um, I don't know. I feel like the transition into them actually being on the real mission – was confused me, I guess. I mean, uh, yeah, it's pretty abrupt. Yeah, like pretty, pretty quick. Like they never. I mean, it makes sense why they don't disclose like the actual enemy. It's just like they refer to them like as the enemy, like just with yeah. everything going on. Like they don't narrow in on a certain region or like country. You yeah, know, that's the you know that's the the producers and the yeah. wide, wide studio head saying we can't right because they're they're already like renting and just uh like advertising the u.s navy they can't just like be like oh we're gonna go fight yeah like bosnia right now or something. yeah because then everybody in bosnia is about to be pissed and they won't watch the movie right. so they gotta they gotta say it's like a rogue nation yeah I think but those movie. rogue those rogue nations were pretty lethal um they had like those insane jets like those camo jets that they were fifth generation fighters generation yeah yeah dude those were sick when it was able to turn with like pushing the air on the top of the plane and it was kind of able to move in that direction that was so sick. yeah and i think at one point like after the so they go through the mission kind of everything and uh there's so he chooses Rooster over right. Hangman. Yeah. That was another kind of classic. You knew, you saw that one coming. Yeah, yeah. And so they go through it, and they eventually, like, get through, but they aren't, like, out of it yet. Like, they're tailed by these missiles. They have to, like, get out or chase these missiles out of their path, and mm-hmm. these fifth-generation fighters end up, like, following them. Um yeah, because just, of course, you know, they were just casually flying out on a patrol as this mission's happening, you know? So they're already in the air. Right. And ready to kind of pounce on them. So I, one thing about this whole kind of act, the third act at the end, is that, like, they should have died, like, so many times. Yeah, it kept, like, pushing on. I mean, it's a long movie, but there were, like, I was like, oh, it's probably going to end, like, here soon. And then <laughs> yeah. end up getting into, like, another predicament. Yeah. And then they get out of it and like yeah, at one point they act like they're on the the rogue team. They're like giving them like signals or whatever. Yeah, I thought that was a pretty funny um, scene. And then they like end up catching on. So they get out of it, they end up ejecting and um once they ejected, I was like, all right, it's for sure. Like they're just gonna get picked up. Like it's pretty well, they, so they had both ejected from their own even before that. Before, like because they were in the same jet because they picked up that one at 14 yeah, at the yeah. airport. Right, right. And so, like, Tom Cruise was initially fucked because they thought he got shot down, but he, like, escaped. 
and then Tom Cruise is about to die because some helicopters like about to smoke him, and then Miles Teller comes through with his plane, like takes out the helicopter, and then one of another helicopter and F fifth generation something hits Miles Teller's thing, so then Tom Cruise thinks he dies, so I was like, oh shit, like what's end up happening? And they get together. They find that, like, old-ass plane. F-14 with the fucking extendo. Yeah, and they, like, they have to take off on, like, a negative runway, basically. Yeah, with all this trash on it. Yeah. Um, So that's I feel like that part was certainly embellished of what would happen in real life because I think that you would probably just not be able to take off. Yeah, and just the the fact that they were able to sneak around that base without anybody noticing and whatever, yeah, dude. They, so, fun fact, real quick about the uh, the little base that they were sneaking out yeah. on. That is actually the Lake Tahoe Regional Airport. Let's go. Yeah, little. It was probably like, like it would take me like ten minutes to drive there right now. Yeah, really? yeah. I guess you probably. I mean, you didn't live there when they were filming. I was gonna say, like, do you ever remember seeing no. that? Like. Now they so they filmed this back in 2018 yeah. into 2019 like that winter because mm. they did all the the snowy mountain scenes in Tahoe they filmed that here right but I still see the I see military planes all the time because the Top Gun flight school like the real life Top Gun school is like an hour from where I live it's just outside of Reno mm. so I see those military aircraft all the time which is pretty sick yeah. Um, but that's a little, little shout out to the Tahoe locals. What's up, mate? To the Tahoe, Tahoe, the Tahoes. Um, but yeah, they commandeer the plane. They think they're dead, and then they get up in the air. The helicopter, the fifth generation, like start going after him, and he's able to like kill the one from the jump, and then kind of evade the second one, and. They think that they're fucked because they're locked on, and then all of a sudden, Hangman, Hangman. comes through and saves the day. Yeah, no, we could see that one coming too, but did you actually? Because that was one that I actually I didn't, didn't see. Like no way they were gonna like actually get shot down. Yeah, yeah, I know. Well, I knew that they were gonna get out of it, or I I could have seen maybe Tom Cruise dying and then Rooster living, which might have been a better ending. Yeah. But, um. Yeah, I did not see Hangman coming through. I think. One thing that was cool about that is that they showed him in the reserves in the cockpit being like, like, get me out there. Like I, I want to assist, provide backup. And then they're like, (coughs) excuse me. John Ham's like, we're not losing anyone else today. Maverick is gone. You know, (laughs) just so intense. Like, yeah, yeah. That's an order. uh, That's an order. Yeah. Um, Stay grounded. That's an order. Yeah. Yeah, they eventually fly that clunker back on the aircraft carrier, and without a front wheel, they yeah. get caught by the net. Yeah, and now they're finally actually safe. You know. Yeah. So pretty, pretty wild flick is. I mean, we've mentioned a little bit earlier the way they filmed it. They were GoPros, like literal GoPros, like the same GoPro made special cameras for these guys, mm-hmm. but. Um, they were on the wings of the plane in the cockpits. There were IMAX cameras on the side of the mountains that they were filming on. Like, really, 
really intensive cinematography work, but I think that it really, really paid off. Yeah, over like 800 hours of footage shot, condensed down into two hours and 40 minutes or something. Dude, you know what's crazy is that I heard in an interview that Miles Teller said when he was promoting the movie that, so they had 800 hours of filming, that's just like a really big number. Yeah. But another way to think about that is that you, that is as much as Peter Jackson filmed for all three of the first Lord of the Rings combined. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And those mo- and those, and those are like three hour movies. Yeah, yeah. That is kind of a cool perspective to put into yeah, it. Like yeah. He's shot- he known for being like going the extra mile on everything. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Pretty wild. I guess kind of one of my last points, kind of just uh, a little trivia. Um, I was reading that the oldest Navy pilot to like ever fly or to retire, he retired at age 54. Um, And we were able to do some math and Maverick technically was born in 62. So if you were to count that to 2022, when the film came out, he's 60. 60 years old. So, <laughs> so six years older than the oldest guy Maverick, ever. To Maverick work. broke the record, and but yeah. clearly Maverick does not look like he's sixty in the film. I don't no. think. But just a little and, trivia. Yeah, uh, I got some other kind of cool trivia stuff. Um, so, in the first movie, the love interest for Maverick was Charlie, a blonde woman, and obviously, it's a different woman in this sequel but one thing that i didn't know is that when i first watched the movie and my i remember my other roommate jack when we were watching it together he asked me the same thing like are we supposed to know who this penny woman is like penny and whatever and she actually is referred to in the first movie i don't know if you knew that but in the who how so do you remember so in the first the first movie, the scene with Great Balls of Fire, um, they're playing the piano, doing whatever, and then they go to Tom Cruise, Meg Ryan, who is Goose's wife, and then Charlie. Yeah. And she's like, oh, Goose tells me everything, even about like the Admiral's daughter. And he's like, oh, what do you – come on. And she's like, no, I heard about you and Penny Benjamin. Like you no went ballistic on her. And I don't know what goes ballistic means, but I think – we learned that he basically just like broke her heart. Yeah. Basically. But I think that that's interesting that she is like, she was technically a character in the first movie, even though you don't know who she is, they don't show her or anything. It's just kind of a name. It's like a, yeah. I think they, that was they, brought her, they brought her back as like a, just a side story. And they, yeah, they, they see each other at the bar and there's clearly like some, some romantic tension there and oh yeah uh they they had to add something like that in in the in the script just because it's like it's you need a love interest you know it's matter you need a love interest and yeah uh he like drops her off at her house at one point and she's like don't look at me like that or something like we're not doing that like we always don't know give me that look. we always know how this ends and so they like part ways and then eventually like they end up Getting together. getting together and like 
his her daughter shows up and he has to like sneak out the window or something like yeah that was a funny scene there's gotta always be some like some romantic uh aspect to these kinds of films yeah and that and that's when his daughter says like just don't break her heart this time like yeah you're tough (laughs) like fuck yeah um i thought that that was cool i think she was looking good as well yeah um there were a couple other things that i thought were pretty interesting i thought that the supporting characters all did a fantastic job like ed harris being in that role mm-hmm. uh, john ham john ham's little buddy warlock like i thought that all those supporting actors did a really great job of just being in that military hard persona and they looked all the part really good and i think that those supporting characters need a little bit of recognition yeah apparently john Hamm accepted the role without even like reading the script at all yeah 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 which respect like he knows what kind of project it is and he knows what kind of dude tom cruise is and it's like yeah sure i'll do it like even though he kind of was like an antagonist in the movie yeah he was kind of yeah he was like a minor he was like an anti-antagonist anti-heroes and all that shit right um yeah, I thought that I thought they did a great job. Um one last thing that I wanted to mention is that I think that the there were a lot of cool callbacks to the first one. We've kind of mentioned a couple, but um like the famous fucking volleyball scene was recreated in this one and it was kind of like a dog fighting spin on its head of like offense and defense at the same time, which I'd never heard of for football. I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah. That, that scene was like pretty whack. Like, I don't know. It was pretty like cheesy. I feel like football in his jeans and like, yeah, um, everyone's ripped. They, they had to have, they had to like have a scene like that back in. Yeah. I mean, well, the only reason they had it in this second one is because they had in the first one and it, it makes no sense that it's in the first one. No, they're playing. They're just playing like volleyball on the beach, and doesn't he like leave like quickly and to like yeah go to Penny's house or something? Yeah, yeah, it's like late to their date. Yeah, I thought that that was a cool callback. I thought that um, you see Tom Cruise wearing his all whites in the bar again when he goes and sees Penny, and that's mm-hmm. he did that in the first one. He was wearing his all whites when he met Charlie in the first one. Yeah. Um, I thought there were a lot of just cool callbacks to the first one where it was we've mentioned a lot of them already, but just gives you a lot of nostalgia, but at the same time it doesn't make that the entire movie where it still has a separate plot and young characters acting out in their own roles and yeah. being separate from that kind of callback situation, but still acknowledging the first one and kind of paying homage to it. I think Yeah, it was, it was a good mix and for for those that grew up seeing Top Gun or like that was a movie that they really enjoyed. Like our parents or, or that generation, I'm sure they had just enough nostalgia in this one, but they also were excited to like see a studio box office movie like, like this one is. Yeah. Kind of more significant plot than the first one as well. Yeah. Well, just a little bit more significant. Yeah. Uh, But that's kind of, all I think we touched a lot of the things that I was thinking about for Maverick. Um, so one last thing before we head out, I wanted to mention Top Gun Maverick was a huge one 
on I think both of our bucket lists and we were hoping for it to be recorded a little bit sooner we were thinking about doing it like right as it was released from theaters but we ended up delaying because we were hoping to get two of our buddies on who are actually currently in the Navy they're uh, officers in the Navy right now big what's up mate to Jake Levine and Nathan Carr what's up mate boys um However, you know, things don't always work out when one of the guys is on a boat off the coast of Japan and the other one's on a boat off the coast of Spain, you know, like. Yeah, just a little bit of connectivity yeah, issues. Yeah. Um, maybe just, did have they got a service, you know, the time change. They got a little bit more uh, on their plate, maybe, besides <laughs> yeah. sitting here talking bullshit for an hour yeah hey <laughs> instead of defending the u.s tonight is there any chance that you could take like hour and a half like two hours max off from doing that and just kind of like hang out with us on facetime like i don't know yeah. if it was gonna fly with their uh rank no they would have gotten thrown overboard yeah dude fucking car in japan is part of the pacific fleet so he kilmer would yeah. fucking smoked him he would have been pissed <laughs> I still can't believe he's. I mean, he's been out there for a while now, hasn't he? Dude, I mean, they both, they're both over a year at this point because, I think they might have had like a month or two off after graduation, but I think like, by the time it was like August of twenty one, they were both. Yeah, out there. it's so crazy. Yeah. yeah. Um. But other than that, that's basically all I got. Egan, you got anything you want to touch on real quick? No, it was fun talking about this one. We we kind of have. This has been on our list since the movie release, so um, glad to be able to share uh, our thoughts with you guys. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, if you haven't given this one a watch yet, definitely. Yeah, I think it's put it at the top of your list. Um, you're long overdue if you haven't seen it by now. Yeah, as as great as the plot is that we mentioned at the end of the day, this movie's just sick. Like, there's yeah so many cool fight scenes and playing maneuvers and the way that it's shot it's just a cool fucking movie to watch yeah like no other movie really has been shot like this and there's a reason that it grossed over a billion dollars so yeah check it out watch you have a free free night we do have something coming down the pipeline however uh next week we will be discussing we'll just tell the folks you know might as well we're gonna yeah wrapping up uh, the House of the Dragon finale that comes out this Sunday. We will have our Game of Thrones correspondent with us as well. He needs no introduction. You guys all know who he is. Um, but we'll be back next week. Uh, keep an eye out on our Instagram. We're going to be doing some predictions about what we think is going to happen. Uh, we'll have some voting opportunities for those that might disagree or agree with us, and then we'll kind of discuss what actually happens, and then our thoughts on what had happened during that episode that's going to be recorded sometime next week. Yeah. Really excited for this one. We had our, our correspondent on after the first episode and uh, he's, he's an expert on game of all things, game of Thrones and house of dragons. So really excited to talk with him and kind of recap the season and especially recap uh, this, this final episode that's coming out on Sunday. And, yeah, I'm very, I'm very excited. Pumped, bro. I think it's just gotten better with every episode, honestly. It's been a crazy ride, and uh, this a lot of shit's about to go down in this last oh, one. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's very exciting. But we, 
we'll we'll save that for another episode. Uh, yeah, yeah. Until then, keep watching movies. Keep saying what's up to your mates. Um, see you guys back next week. Cheers. <laughs> Later. <laughs>